0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Million Dollar Body Podcast, the intersection of physical and financial success. I'm Nate Palmer. If you're here, it's probably because you're a high performer, an entrepreneur, or a business owner that's interested in gaining an unfair advantage using fitness and nutrition as force multipliers in your life. If you're not already a part of the Facebook group, definitely go to n8trainingsystems.com slash group. That's where we stream these episodes live every Tuesday. You can join in, ask questions, be part of the conversation, generally have a great time, download all the free stuff that I'm giving to people, win hundreds of dollars, look fabulous, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, again, go to Nate and eight training systems, training slash group to join us there. If you're already in the group and watching us live, super excited to have you because we're, we're talking today about five fitness myths that you need to, you need to leave behind today. Something that needs, needs to die, needs to die years and years ago, but let's put them, put the nail on the coffin. Right now, but before we get started, one thing we love to do is give a shout out to people accomplishing big things in the community. Uh, I want to give two shout outs right now. Number one is to Ray Kemper. Ray's crushing it right now. He's got um, down 11 pounds in our first month working together on Phase One, Um, and this month I'm really excited because we're diving, dialing in the uh, the training program a little bit more. So it's gonna be it's gonna be super awesome. I can't wait to see how everything goes. Um, But Ray. Really pumped to have you, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, the second person, though, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Tennille. Tennille Bernard, You, she is um, in two months. She has hit all of her workouts, accomplished, basically moved every single day for two months. And she's being called up right now by, by um, like, her, her work to talk about motivation and how to, how to create it and how to build upon it and stuff like that. And and she was like, I don't know if I'm like the right person to talk about it. I'm like, of course you are. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that even, even professionals, she's a doctor, even doctors, even trainers aren't motivated all the time. So what do you do when, when, when that time comes and you're not motivated or you don't want to do those things. And I think the story of someone not being motivated and doing it anyways, is a much more powerful story than someone who's like, I'm just good at it. I'm just the smartest right? So that's my personal opinion. So, but before we get um, uh, today, we're going to keep rocking and rolling, talk a little bit about some uh, myths that I think come up a lot, you know, in pop culture, we see it on magazine covers, we hear about Gwyneth Paltrow doing such and such bullshit. So let's dive in and talk about one of the big ones. And we're going to kind of just explore some nuance within this, but cardio, biggest myths around cardio. And I think that one of the things here is that when people think cardio they think fat loss right we think okay i need to get in shape what did that guy do with rocky in the movie he ran he ran up the steps put his arms up you know like adrian you know like that's that's kind of where our heads go when it comes to thinking about fat loss and cardio we just automatically go to running equals fitness equals weight loss and that's just categorically incorrect but it makes a really great training montage so we keep showing it and keep showing it and it's just kind of like since there's so many opinions about training and and Pilates and bodybuilding and machines and free weights and all these things, like what's the thing that sticks in our head? The stickiest thing, like the, the thing that like that we can visualize. And that thing is always going to be like sick ass training montages. If you're watching like, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Rocky franchise, obviously, but when you watch like uh, Creed 2 and he goes out in the desert and he's like fighting these guys and dragging a car and sprinting down this like this, like this highway. And it looks like somewhere like, you know, deep Arizona. And you know, it's like 140 degrees out there. And he's like, you're like, yeah, man, get it. So, but the thing about cardio is that it's, it's just cheap. It's a little bit, it's inexpensive. Okay. Cardio basically doesn't cost your body a lot um, to do it or to recover from it. Yeah. Like, yes, it's a stressor. Yes. It burns calories. Yes. It's like, it can, you know, leave you injured if you're doing it wrong, but like, at the end of the day, it's like you burn calories, you re- you refuel your body. You burn calories, you refuel your body. There's no like there's no muscle being built. There's no like there's no visceral fat being burned unless you're doing this like really, really extensive cardio. And that point, like it's it's burning equal amounts of fat and and like uh things that you don't want burned, muscle tissue, lean body mass, that sort of thing. So there's there's not a lot going on there that your body really needs to like super compensate for. So you might've, you might've already experienced this. If you run a marathon or train for a 5k or something like that, and you're running outside and you're like, okay, feeling good. I'm getting my cardio shape. And then you take a week off, you go to the beach, you come back, you do something else. And then you all go to run again. You're like, Oh shit, this is really hard. That's, that's what I mean by it's cheap. It's uh, it, it comes, but it goes away fast. And because it's not that expensive for your body to hold on to contrast that with like building a pound of muscle, very expensive costs a lot for your body to have to get outside of like homeostasis, just like existing in our in our day to day everyday state, and start accumulating muscle tissue. And the only reason is the only way it's going to do that is by you providing it with adequate stress. That's your exercise, your training, your weightlifting, and then adequate uh, calories and protein. So if you're not if you don't have the adequate calories and protein, you're not going to build as much muscle. Um, and if you don't have the right stress, you're not going to build as much muscle. So it's challenging to nail those two things appropriately and consistently long enough to create muscle tissue. And like, despite what maybe your trainer or coach who has the best intentions, you know, if you didn't lose weight this week, it's not because you built a pound of muscle and lost a pound of fat uh, muscle is really slow. It's really slow to build. So, you know, if you're building a pound of muscle in a month, that's like epic progress. That's, that's insane. So don't, don't think that like, you know, your the weight went up. That's that's, oh, that's all muscle built. Sorry. It's. Probably water weight. Okay, cardio is also uh, an appetite stimulant. So, like, what the, the two things cardio is good for is number one, it's burning. It burns calories. You can burn a lot of calories on cardio. I went mountain biking with some friends, and by say, when I say I meant mountain biking with some friends, I mean I they went mountain biking, and I uh, consistently fought to catch up to them because they were good at it, and I was not. Um, so and we went for two hours. The first hour is like, okay, I'm I'm doing okay. And then the second hour I was like, oh no, this was a terrible mistake. I'm doing a really bad job right now. But I was, I was watching my calories and kind of tracking my progress there. And I burned um, like over 1200 calories in two hours, which is substantial. I've burned, I've burned more than that doing like harder training protocols and stuff like that, but still 1200 calories. Most people, like some people are eating that, that many. So you can burn a lot of calories, but man, I was starving the rest of the day. So if you've ever done cardio like this, you wake up in the morning and do fasted cardio, you'll realize that your appetite is just stimulated all day, which is not a bad thing. But it's also like, if you're using it specifically for a weight loss effect, then having like, then burning 300 calories and then having a ravenous appetite the rest of the day will pretty much undo all that, all the way you did. The second thing cardio is good for is building your cardiovascular endurance, building your heart health, helping your, your, your body like put blood to your extremities, that sort of thing. It's great for those things. Hard to get that otherwise. So, you know, keeping your body kind of a steady state, like low impact, long-term, about 65, 70% of your, your uh, maximum heart rate. That's a great way to just be healthier and improve your recovery. Those sorts of things. So if you are doing it, if you're doing cardio for that or because you love it, those are great reasons. If you're doing it because you want to lose weight, you, you're you better served to doing something else, to be honest. You can also, I feel like, get more out of just walking every single day than you can out of doing uh, cardio on a very regular basis. So getting out and like and walking, I would consider walking cardio, but I would also give it a check in the recovery column. Whereas like jogging, elliptical stairs, all those things are cardio, but I would also put a check in the stress column. So like you wanna make sure that your recovery and your stress is balanced out. And so doing more and more of the cardio is gonna do this. But if you do more and more of the walking, it's going to shift that in your favor. So really important to balance the rest and recovery. Most people, when it comes to like when they think of like overtraining, am I overtrained? If am I am, my adrenal shutting down? Probably not. You're probably just under recovered. If anything, you're not sleeping enough. You're not doing enough of like the foam rolling, the massage, the yoga, the stretching, the walking. Those things that put money back into your account. And instead, of you're just pulling stuff out, staying up late, doing creative stuff, doing cardio, working out a, a lot, drinking alcohol. Those things all cost. Yeah. Okay. Um, The last thing I wanted to address with cardio is that a lot of people, have been talking about fasted cardio recently. Should I do fasted cardio in the mornings that burn more fat? Well, a study published in the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition actually evaluated weight loss between fasted and non-fasted subjects in the morning. Uh, They actually found that both groups lost a significant amount of weight. So great job doing cardio in the morning can be a great way to do it. But there's no difference between the the fasted and non-fasted. Personally, I always prefer going fasted. That's one of the tenets of glycogen priming—is making sure that you have enough, uh, enough carbohydrates or, or glycogen in your system to fuel your next day's workout. So I, that's a really ideal. Um, but I don't. But there's nothing magic about it. So that's kind of a two-for-one bundled cardio myth. Okay. And I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, weightlifting is so much better for for uh, weight loss than cardio because you're going to burn less calories generally doing weightlifting then you are going to be do, like doing extended steady state cardio but at the like at the end of the day it's it's making a deposit into your long-term metabolic health into your long-term skeletal health into building muscle which is actually going to improve your ability to burn calories at rest um, and it's r- rather than just being like a short term a short-term solution so it's the equivalent of like saving up to buy a PS five versus going and dropping 10 bucks a week at the arcade. That's the, it's the best analogy I could come up with. I had a better analogy um, for the, oh, that I put into a Huffington post article I wrote not to uh, a couple 2013, 2015, 14 and uh, a professor from I think Brown or something like that uh, wrote, wrote me a new one said I was, said I was everything wrong with the uh, fitness community. So thanks a lot, Noah. I really appreciate that. I'll never forget. All right. Next one. Um, second myth we're going to talk about is low carb diets are the most effective. Okay. This is a big myth. Uh, and you know, this is, this is one that's tricky because a lot of times people get great results on low carb diets or no carb diets. And there can be like, well, why, how could you say it's not, it's not like good for me or it's not ideal if you know, I'm seeing all these results. So there's a couple, there's a couple of nuances here. and I want to, I want to talk a little bit about them, but before you dive into like just a, 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 low carb or keto style of diet, um, think about these things and kind of run this frame. It's like, number one, how active are you? What's like, what, like how many, like how much are you doing on a, not just a daily, but a weekly basis? Are you, is your job require physical labor? Are you sitting at a desk? Are you, how are your workouts? Are you hitting uh, five or more workouts per week? Um, And then like, how, like how much are you sweating during those workouts? Are you doing cardio every single time? Really burning it up? Are you training for a triathlon or an Ironman? Um, or is your work, are you working out like three times a week and walking some other days because like carbs are great. They're just a high impact fuel, which means that they help you fuel hard work. So running, biking, swimming, training, um, shoveling dirt, you know, working in working outside, being construction, all those things are fueled by carbohydrates. If you don't have enough of those, you're going to be, you're going to be costing yourself. You're going to kind of put yourself at a disadvantage, especially when it comes to training for longer term endurance events. By the way, it's training for long-term endurance events, Ironmans, triathlons and stuff like that. Great, Gl- love that journey for you, but it's also not equivalent to, to uh, fat loss training, okay? There's a, diff- there's a difference and there's like, there's an optimal state for fat loss and it does not involve uh, like running, biking, swimming on a regular basis. So if you're trying to do both, you know, they've I, I've heard the, the there's a Chinese or Japanese proverb that says something like the, he who chases two rabbits we'll catch neither. So basically make, pick the goal and keep the goal, the goal until the goal's done, pick a goal and then keep the goal, the goal until it's done. Okay. Don't dance around. It's it's something I've done for way too long, trying to be bigger, but also trying to be stronger, but trying to be more athletic and doing more plyos, but I need to be more mobile. going to work on my splits, but also want to do 200 kettlebell swings per day. Just so much of that has inhibited my progress long-term and just made me realize that like the, the main thing is just to keep your head down and just keep grinding on stuff until it gets done because you can't lose if you don't quit. We say this all the time. You can't lose if you don't quit. So if you just keep going, you're going to hit your goals, whether it's fat loss, muscle building, or training for a triathlon, okay? I don't know how I got there from low-carb diets, but we'll, go, we'll, we'll head back there right now. So low-carb diets, a lot of times people think that, oh, they, like I got such good results or so-and-so lost 30 pounds in two weeks. But what happens with low-carb diets is that and I talked about this in my, in my photo shoot podcast, if you didn't get a chance to check it out is when you have one gram of carbohydrates, it pulls 2.7 grams of, of water into your muscles as well. So if you eliminate carbohydrates or cut them way, way back, you eliminate a lot of the water in your muscles as well. So like if you're having like, if you're cutting out all of that, you're cutting out basically three times that amount of water weight. So when people lose exceptional amounts of weight, like for example, I had a client um, when I was training in Seattle, he lost uh, 48 pounds, 40, 42 pounds in a single week, 42 pounds in a single week. He was, he was, uh, uh, extremely heavy. So it wasn't like a massive surprise, but so much of that, like that initial, like, like breathtaking drop in weight, um, and bloat is going to be from water. It's not going to be from fat loss. It's really hard to lose more than like two pounds of fat a week. And doing doing everything right it's still tough so don't like don't let that first initial drop trick you into thinking that this is the like number one most effective way of doing stuff um, and then number two like eliminating 33% of possible food choices a la keto so is just not sustainable right if um, I don't know the person who's been doing keto for three years I'm sure he exists or they exist out there but I've never met them um, Everyone I've ever talked to is has done keto for like, two to six months and, um, dropped, dropped weight, felt really good. And then gained a lot of it back. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard to deprive your body of like a vital nutrient, a vital macronutrient, like carbohydrates, especially when you consider that like up until like 1900, about 80% of people's diets was carbohydrates, either from like produce, wheat, bread, different things like that. There was not a lot of like beef jerky on the market in like 1830. So like having meat, having like higher fat content stuff was a little bit more of like a rarity. Those things were like really, really valuable. Um, But carbohydrates were plentiful. We ate a lot of them. So we also moved a lot more, you know, you know, if you wanted to, Go get some water. You could just go to the water fountain. You had to actually go down to like the well and pick it up. So you know, there's that thing. There's that to consider. So before you go to completely low carb, consider how many carbs do you need. It's probably more beneficial rather than going low carb to do some sort of carb cycling. Glycogen priming is a is a easy, easy, easy carb cycling solution. Um, but you can also do it like high carb and low carb days. So, so that's gonna be so much better for you long term. Because it's going to teach your body how to use carbohydrates rather than just being like, I'm just going to avoid them and stick my head in the sand and and, and pretend like carbs don't exist. Cause you know, you're going to show up at someone's house one day and they are going to be like, yo, you want this delicious bagel? And you're going to be like, uh, let me see about that. Yes. I've been having, I've had 15 truly's six different white claws. Like I'm ready to have a bagel, you know? And then at that point, if you, um, two things like, number one, if you are not prepared, if you like, if your body has not been having carbs for a while, you're going to gain weight off of like off of really, really small portions of carbohydrates. Your body's just not like ready to use them. And number two, there's a study done that showed that having like a cheat meal or like having carbs while you've been in ketosis for a while can cause cell damage, can cause a lot of inflammation and cell damage because your body's just used to running on ketones. And then you, then you like, give it a big dose of glucose or glycogen blood sugar. Um, it doesn't know what to do. So it causes a lot of inflammation cause internal damage. That's, uh, so that's another thing that's I just uh, like it just doesn't feel like uh keto's the right choice for most of us. I feel like I've beat that horse to death. But we're gonna come back to it a little later as well, guaranteed. Maybe not today, maybe later. Number three, the three, the uh, a myth that I keep hearing a lot. And I thought this was already dead, but you know, we'll if it's just laying there on the ground kind of twitching, I would want to stab it and stab it in the throat until it's just like we're just over it. But that one is the high rep, low weight to tone your muscles. If you want to tone your muscles, you got to go high rep, low weight. If you want to build your muscles, you got to go low rep, high weight. This is completely categorically false. And the one way that we, like one one reason I can tell you that it's completely false is because toning's a fake word. Toning's a word invented uh, to help women get into exercise because women are are not going to be drawn towards like bulking, building, anabolic. Um, hypertrophy, words that accurately scientifically describe the process of building muscle. So everyone wants to look the same way, lean, toned, lower body fat percentage. But, um, but women have been sold this idea that tone we need to tone our muscles. We don't need to build our muscles. Well, here's the thing is your muscle doesn't tone. It builds or it decreases. It grows or it shrinks. Those are the two options. It doesn't, there's no like tone setting that you can suddenly grab pink dumbbells and do a million tricep extensions and then be like, wow, they're toned. The the, the reason things look toned is because the muscle's bigger and then the fat is lower. Those are the only two reasons things look toned. Women are going to look more toned than guys, anyways, because women have a lower amount of testosterone and the androgens in their body to build a lot of muscle. So your muscles are just going to be like females' muscles are just going to be smaller, anyways. So, um, and then by the way, like if, if you're someone who's like, ah, I don't want to get too big, like, don't stress about that. Like, I also don't want to be a concert pianist, um, but I still like, I'm not going to not touch a piano just out of like the fear of being a concert pianist. I think that, you know, like it's a slow, slow process. Like I said before, don't stress about if you're going to actually like going to get too big from doing that one extra bicep curl. It's not going to happen. So Uh, I think that like toning is actually like, like they, I think they've shown that it came from like magazines in the nineties, basically aimed at women and who are not going to be attracted to like male dominated bodybuilding. So how do you build a muscle? Because that's what it comes down to. We don't need to tone your muscles. We need to build them up a little bit more and you need to lose fat so you look toned. So basically this is a little bit of an oversimplification because there's outliers here, but basically if you're training your muscle within a rep range of six to about 15 reps, that is going to be the ideal rep range for building muscle. If you know, tighten that down a little bit more eight to 12 is kind of like the, the magic zone of, of building muscle. So if you're, if you're not necessarily getting stronger, like your one rep max, but you're getting your eight rep max, your 10 rep max stronger, you're going to build muscle in that way. So, um, like so there are some higher rep sets that are fine like 20 30 rep sets even like 50 rep sets can be fine um but those are generally going to be brutal and should be used sparingly so like if you're doing like a 20 rep set of squats and you're not absolutely like crushed afterwards you weren't using enough weight or like it's just not that effective right so a lot of times people are uh people I talk to who are doing like toning exercises are picking really really light weights doing a lot of reps with them until it burns and then stopping. But they're never ever getting to the point where they're going to like technical failure um, and actually forcing their muscle to break down so that your body's forced to rebuild it. Like I said before, to, in order to build muscle, you need to have a very specific set of circumstances and things be true. And number one is that your muscles are being like are being trained and taken to failure in a way that if the, your body doesn't respond by rebuilding muscle tissue, it could potentially kill you. Think about a bench press, right? It's like we bring the weight down and touches to our chest and we press it back up. And if that, if that, like, if you are not strong enough to lift that weight off, then ostensibly you could be crushed underneath that weight and just die. So think about building muscle and strength as your body's way of protecting you against, against uh, the, the getting crushed in some freak accident. So if you're not, if you're just like, wow, I just got a real good burn there. I just did a, Like I my hit hit class and man, my shoulders are just screaming at me. That's not necessarily indicative of building muscle. Here's one easy way to, to know, like, are you in a muscle building zone or not? You know, without getting crazy or diving in too much into like, you know, like, um, the like different types of gear or whatever else you should be wearing or fitness trackers. But basically if you get to the point where you're doing this, you're kind of like shaking, um, My friend, Rachel Clark, awesome trainer calls it the tremor of truth. And if you have the tremor of truth, so you're picking up the weights and it's like shaking just a little bit, that's a great way to know that you're on the right track for building muscle. And here's why is that like our muscles are all kind of like this, you know, our muscle fibers. And then, so electrical impulse will go between one muscle fiber to to the next, to the next, to the next, to, to do a contraction, to do a squeeze. And so after a while, like eventually this, this muscle, this muscle fiber will burn out and you don't have access to that. And so this muscle fiber then will burn out almost, almost having fun here. And, and you'll, you'll now have an electrical impulse jump from one to the third, rather than going one, two, three. So it'll go one, skip two, skip four. And that jump, that's that tremor. So when you know that you're on the right track is when your muscles are just like, are tremoring just a little bit. That means you've, are, you're doing the right work. You're getting to the right, the right point. So that's how, that's how we build muscle. There's a couple of different nuances to that, like sarcoplasmic versus myofibular hypertrophy. But I honestly feel like that's just splitting hairs and being complicated for the sake of being complicated. Lift weights in in a, in a six to 15 rep range for 90, 95% of everything that you do and make sure that you, you, uh, improve your. Your progress over time. So if you lifted 100 pounds last week, you need to lift 100 pounds for one more rep this week, or 105 pounds for the same amount of reps. So make sure you're just getting constant improvement. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about in in just a second about um, the right types of exercises. Okay. Number th- number four myth. We're going to bounce kind of bouncing back and forth between uh, training, nutrition, training, nutrition. So number four myth is the six meals a day to stoke your metabolic furnace. This is just, this is just like this again, I I thought this myth was dead. I thought, you know, I'd stepped on its neck, but apparently not. So we're just going to, we're going to finish it off right now. This myth, this, this, this outright lie was made up by surprise, surprise, supplement companies, supplement companies made this up and want to know why? to sell supplements. I know I was shocked too when I found out, but here's why they do that. Because they wanted you to eat three meals per day and then drink three protein shakes per day. Apparently they also wanted you to have diarrhea every single day. So that's kind of fun. Basically um, there's, they, they created this in their minds as a way to sell more shakes, sell more protein powder, um, they didn't realize how much raspberry ketones people wanted to buy at the time. They're just like protein powder. People want that. So they've gotten a lot more creative recently, but in, um, then they, t- they went and they cherry picked different research, which by the way, has been proven time and time again, to not, not be accurate or not increase your metabolic rate or increase your metabolism, um, and then they said, yeah, look at it. like, it's all backed up by science, but you know, in reality, they just did what I was doing in 10th grade. When I was lo- like, when I was figuring out my hypothesis, going and finding research to back that up, not finding any other, other research, and then submitting that to my um, physics teacher. Thanks, Mr. Vining. <clears throat> but like, that's a, that's, you know, that, like, that's how research gets done. A lot of times when there's an agenda, right. When there's money to be made. So just be kind of being careful. And like, honestly, guys, there's, there's a lot of research out there there's new studies being done every single day and a lot of them aren't that good so unless you have a like a, a background in reading clinical studies or uh, like have a trusted advisor in that space there's a couple there's a couple out there i'll say like dr john berardi from precision nutrition is amazing um the guys from Examine.coms um are, are awesome they they have that kind of a no bs policy uh and they don't there's not knows no supplements to be to be sold or no money to be made there so they they have a lot of great information, so I generally will go to them if I'm ever confused about a topic or don't or have seen both sides. Um, I'd like to be a, that point of contact for you. Hopefully, that's you. Uh, you get a, at least a bit of truthiness from the podcast or from following me on social media. But um, keep in mind that a lot of research is done by um, like for-profit groups and people with a, a ulterior motive of making sales in some form or fashion. So there is no evidence that your metabolism is running faster after six meals. And a lot of times people will tell me like, Oh, I can just feel my metabolism just like revving up. I can just feel like, like I feel my metabolism going. And most of the time, what I, what this means is that I felt myself being hungry all day. I just felt like low grade hunger all day. And what that, what, what happens there is that a lot of times after eat, like this can happen after big cardio events for sure, but can also happen after eating several meals or eating more frequently. So eating, if you eat six times a day for the next seven days, guaranteed, you're going to feel hungry. You're going to feel like your metabolism is revved up on that on the next week because you've trained your body like, Hey, you're going to get food every three hours. And so then it starts to expect it. Our bodies are amazingly adaptive and it will adapt to basically anything you give it. So if you're going to eat one meal a day, your body will adapt. You eat six meals a day. Your body will adapt. So you don't, um, eating six meals per day to stoke your metabolic furnace is, is just Unconscionable that people are still feeding other people that myth. So if your trainer or your nutritionist or someone has told you that, you need to run. That's like that is not even like debatable at this point. It's it's been proven so, so many times by reputable sources and, and scientific studies. So um the last thing on that, and the reason that I really am against the six meals per day is that um most of the time when we are eating a lot of when we're eating a lot more often, we are forcing our body to digest more. So, which means we're killing our energy. So, like I know that energy and um, like metabolism are not necessarily related. So, you're like, well, who cares? My my energy is a little bit lower. My metabolism's up. Well, um, when it comes to energy and fat loss, those are like interconnected quite a bit. So, in order to have more fat loss choosing to eat in a way that gives you energy rather than takes energy from you is a much preferable, much more preferable way to do it and to get long-term results. So, um, just making sure that you know, you know, your goal, keep the goal, the goal, I guess is the, that's the, that's the, uh, the TLDR from this. That's the summary of this podcast. Keep the goal, the goal. So if you're, if you're looking for fat loss, eat in a way that has, that gives you energy and provides you with fat loss, train in a way that provides you with fat loss. Go on, etc., etc., et cetera, Last myth. Let's wrap it up. Five Number five, the bench squat and deadlift are necessary for everyone. These are called the big three. A lot of power do them. Um, and a lot of people will say like, you need to be benching. You need to be squatting. You need to be deadlifting. Everyone needs to be doing those things. Um, and while that I can kind of get behind that to an extent, the people who say you need to be doing it with a barbell are completely wrong. And here's why. Is barbell exercises... They like, if you're not competing in powerlifting, if you're not doing something where you need to be doing barbell exercises, you don't need those exercises. You don't need to be doing them. There's no exercise that you need to do. That is like imperative, unless it's a part of your sport. If you're trying to be an Olympic, uh, weightlifter and you're not cleaning and jerking the weight, you're not going to be an Olympic weightlifters. So you have to do that. But if you want to be, if you want to be strong and healthy and look good in a tank top and look like you lift. You don't need to deadlift with a barbell. You don't need to squat with a barbell. You certainly don't need to bench press with a barbell. Barbells are great for building raw strength, but they're notoriously bad about targeting specific muscle fibers. And like I said before, building muscles is is challenging. It takes a lot of concerted effort. It takes a lot of uh, of training, and it takes a lot of attention to detail. So when you're doing bench press and you're bench pressing out here and you're trying to get that weight up off your chest, and that's the main thing you're recruiting a lot of different muscle fibers from your, from your pecs to your triceps, to your anterior deltoid to, you know, like you see the guys are doing this, making that deadlift face. You're getting your like sternocleidomastoid, your SCM in there. You're getting your neck muscles in there. Like you got your, like a lot of people are doing like leg drive. They have their, like their legs way back, you know, they're driving with their quads and their glutes, you know, that's not a, pec exercise. That is a full body exercise at that point. And if you love bench pressing and you're training to be a better bench presser, awesome. Go off. But if you're just training cuz you want your pecs to look good and you're trying to build up a specific area of your body, it's not the right exercise for you. There's a lot of there's a lot of better exercises, the number one of which is the incline dumbbell bench press. It's the the superior superior pec builder way 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 above bicep or b- above a barbell bench press um deadlift also a lot of people say like oh that's good for back muscles but like the only thing you're doing with your back in a deadlift is holding it isometrically you're holding yourself straight there's no stretch and there's no contraction okay so you're only just holding in a in a isometric pattern which yeah can add a little bit to your back density or strength or whatever but it's not a it's not even like top 10 best back lat trap exercises so just keeping that in mind again keeping the goal the goal and not letting someone else's opinion or internet article dictate the exercise that you're doing so that's why it's important to have someone again in your corner that you know you can trust and then you can run stuff past and be like do you think this is the best thing for me and it's that's going to make your life so much better so i think another thing besides keep the goal the goal is like pick pick who you're listening to are you listening to the magazines are you listening to gwyneth paltrow are you listening to Jillian Michaels? Or are you listening to uh, like uh, like smart strength coaches? You know, are you listening to someone who knows their stuff, who's been doing this a long time? Um, uh, and then like to kind of just round that out, squat like squat can be like a don't get me wrong, a barbell back squat can be a good, effective tool if you have the exact right body type for it, you have the right stance for it, and you're training uh, you're training your body in a way that's building your glutes or your quads, like, and you're you're hyper focused on that, so. Um, maybe for those, for a lot of people though, a front squat might be a better option. Maybe a Bulgarian split squat or a dumbbell squat is going to be a better option or a goblet squat for a lot of people. is going to be a better option. Um, but the, po- the point is that trying to fit a square pack into a round hole and just pounding that every single person needs to do bench squat and deadlift the barbell is completely false and um, has resulted in a lot of people spending a lot of time out of the gym because they they keep getting hurt doing specific exercises. So don't feel like your man card is on the line or you're a pussy if you don't do a barbell back squat. It doesn't matter. No one cares. At the end of the day, you're not going, like, what matters is how you look and how you feel. And if you can't get down on the ground to play with your kid because your back's been killing you from your barbell your deadlift session on, on Tuesday last week, then that's a loss. Then that's, that's not what we want. So Don't need to do that. There's, there's a ton of different exercises that can work the muscle in a more intelligent, like, like better way than just doing a barbell deadlift or a barbell squat. So make sure that you are, you're choosing where you're going to get your information from applying the information correctly to your goals. And by the way, a great coach is a great way to do this. So that's why I outsource my training to someone who uh, programs for me in a way that is better for me than what I would do for myself. Like I said, I'm the king of jumping back and forth. The king of being like, well, I want to do this. Oh, I'm going to start off every workout with a Turkish getup. Then I'm going to do 200 kettlebell swings a day. I should, should I add in hundred pushups a day? And I just get so spun out. It's amazingly helpful to have someone else write my programming, tell me exactly what to do, tell me exactly how to show up, where to, where to go. And then it, all I'm in charge of then is just showing up, pushing weight and recording my reps. So like making sure that I'm always doing improvements on a regular basis. And that's like, at the end of the day, that's that's what like, all of this can come down to is getting a little bit better every single day, both in your nutrition and in your training. Um, I also like kind of an under undercurrent of this podcast has been, is, is training for muscle is better than training for basically anything else. Especially if you're just a, like a, if you don't want to be a power lifter, if you don't, or you don't care about being super, super strong, which by the way, you still need to get strong, but just don't have to get strong with a barbell. Um, if you don't care about any of those things, then training for to build muscle is going to have the longest term dividends. It's going to pay off the biggest. It's going to give you the most return on your investment. It's going to just give you so much more than training any other way. Training for cardio, training for mobility, all those things will improve if you have more muscle. So that's, that's the, that's the myth busting for today. Basically we talked about, um, cardio for fat loss, not ideal. Uh, low-carb diets, not necessary, high rep, low weight to tone, tone. outright lie, six meals to stoke your metabolism, complete falsehood, bench, squat, and deadlift being necessary for everyone. No, n- not even close. So those myths, well, I'm just going to consider them busted. Hopefully this episode was interesting, entertaining. We'll see. I don't know. I feel like I had a little bit lower energy there, but I don't know if it's because uh, I have children or uh, because I was sitting down for the podcast today. Either way, let me know what you think. Uh, drop me a drop me a comment. Shoot me an email, Nate at N8 Training Systems. I'll always get back to you. And then we're gonna be doing that uh, giveaway for the 100th episode. So someone's, some lucky winner who's been sharing, sharing, commenting, or leaving a review on the podcast is gonna get uh, a $100 gift card. So keep your eyes open for that. It's coming out soon. Hope you guys are having a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye.